ready to hear the message this morning. Guess what? We've actually got a speaker this morning all the way from Presence Conference. Well, they went to Presence Conference, shall we say. It's not Jay John, it's Jay Brendan. <laughs> Why don't we welcome Brendan as he comes to bring us the word this morning. my booming voice. Hello. Turn to the person next to you and say, it is great to be in this house of God this morning. Uh, we're going to get started in just a little bit, but before we do, let's pray. So why don't you close your eyes with me. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We thank you, Lord, that you are in this place, that your presence is here. We thank you, Father, that uh, many of us have had a great experience at Presence Conference, but we don't need 5,000 people to experience you because your presence comes and meets us wherever we are, whenever, wherever. And so we thank you, Father, that your presence is here, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would deliver your word to our hearts and that it would change something on the inside of us. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, Amen. Fantastic. You know, some years <coughs> I sort of drag myself to presence and sort of just <coughs> claw myself over the finish line and I get there and I say, Ah, oh, fill me, Lord. I need you now. I need refreshing. I need revitalization because I am just exhausted. Uh, you know, or I'm way off track with what God's wanting me to do or I just feel like my whole life has gone to... <laughs> to um right so i get there and i'm like thank you lord and he breaks me down and he builds me up again and refreshes me and refills me this year i had quite a different experience i arrived at presence and i was a bit agitated because i felt like god's doing a great work here in norwood and i'm like i'm sort of taking time out which was a really interesting feeling i felt like all right god you better have something good here because otherwise it wasn't worth coming and I may as well just go back and we may as well just keep doing what we're doing because I know that you're doing a great work here in Norwood. And so I just spent the whole week telling all of our close friends in Sydney, you guys, God's doing a great work in our church. People's lives are being changed. People are coming to know God. Uh, People are being baptized. Uh, People are rising up into their calling. God is bringing people into their callings. Uh, you know, at the last prayer meeting, uh, Nathan had a vision that, uh, of, a, of a cocoon, like a moth's cocoon. And, as, and it, as he saw the vision, the cocoon was opening up and a butterfly was coming out of the cocoon. And Pastor Vicky had, had a word which was along the same lines, which was, this is a new day. This is a new day. This is a new day for this church. And this is a new day for the people of this church. And so I really felt that God is doing a great thing. And you and I, we are all part of the move of God that's happening here at the moment. We all have a role to play. We all have something to contribute. But I just want to deliver a warning to you quickly um, before we get into the crux of the message. Because I caught myself the other week, someone was sharing about something uh, that they were doing in the church. Um, And I had also been involved 
in, in the thing that they were doing. Uh, but they were, they were talking about it and they weren't giving me any of the credit. <laughs> right? That's fine. So I thought, I'm going to be really gracious about this and just, I'm going to let it be like water off a duck's back, right? Because that's good Christianity, isn't it? So, so <coughs> I'm like, it's fine. I don't need the credit. I'm doing this for the glory of God and, and, and not for my own glory. And so I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to be really gracious about this. And then, and then in my spirit, I sort of feel God to me say, <coughs> you know, the ideas that you've had and the work you're doing, wh- whose ideas are they? And I said, well, you know, I, I, like I, I've contributed them. I, you've like, brought them to me. Mm-hmm. And the other person, who, whose ideas are they? Well, they're yours as well. Is that... <laughs> So, so you're not being gracious by not taking credit. You don't really deserve the credit, <laughs> is what he said. He's like, you, you're just cooperating with my plan. And, and he put the word in my heart, which was Matthew 16, verse 18, when Jesus is talking to Peter, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Not, Brendan, you're doing a good job of building my church, but I will build my church. And so I will build my church, says the Lord. And he is building his church. The part that we have to play is to just cooperate with whatever it is that God is doing. And so would you stand with me this morning? Because God is doing a great thing here in Nord. And I would like us together to give glory to God this morning for the great work that he is doing and that he is building his church. So come on, let's praise him. Thank you, Father. Holy God. We thank you, Lord, that lives are being changed here in Norwood. We thank you, Father, that people are coming into the fullness of life with you. We praise you, God, and we thank you for the great opportunity and honor that it is to be able to cooperate with your plan here in this great city. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Fantastic. Fantastic. You can be seated. That feels good. I got that off my chest. <coughs> so don't be thinking that you're all high and mighty just because you're helping out. But be excited that you can be part of something great. Fantastic. All right. Let's get into this. This morning, the message is called... Excuse me, I'm just going <laughs> to rearrange my notes for just one second. The message this morning is called Prospering with a Clear Conscience. That's going to be the title of the message for the next four weeks. We're talking about the eighth commandment, do not steal. Some of you are thinking, that's three words. How can we talk about it for four weeks straight? <laughs> Never fear. God's word is deep and it is rich and we can talk about this till the cows come home but we're going to try and compress it into four weeks. And so we want to introduce the idea that God's plan for us is to prosper us and for us, for us to have fullness of life in him but his plan is that we would be able to prosper with a clear conscience and that we don't actually have to do dodgy deals or or steal things from other people, or steal things from God to be able to prosper. 
you know, the, the stereotype of a, of a thief, someone who steals. When, when you think about a thief, what do you think of? Something that I think of immediately is like a really nasty guy. He's kind of dressed in black. He might be wearing a balaclava or a mask or something. And he's got this weird bag of loot over his shoulder. I'm thinking, what do you carry in a bag of loot? You can't put a plasma TV in there. And so then I adjusted my image. He's got a plasma TV under his arm. And he's kind of climbing through a window at night time. Um, but what I'd like to say to you this morning is we need to be careful about stereotypes and the images that we create for things like a thief. Because when we create stereotypes, it allows us to categorize the sin in a way that blinds us from our own potential to steal. If you think about a thief as someone who wears black in a balaclava, he breaks into a house at the middle of the night and he steals a TV, you and I, none of us here are likely to do that. And if you, had, if you have already, we can pray for you afterwards. Please let us pray for you. We can't guarantee that we won't also call the police. But you and I are unlikely to have done that. Is there anyone here who's robbed a TV out of a house? You wouldn't say if you did. <laughs> so, so we can categorize that and say, oh, well, thieves are like probably really poor people, and we're not that poor. So, 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 you know, so we don't steal. Or maybe they're really rich. Maybe it's like the Ponsky scheme guy who stole $64 billion by creating a, this pyramid Ponsky scheme where he... He, um, I don't know if you know about the Ponsky scheme. Basically, it's this. Pastor Chris, you invest $10, and I promise you a $12 return. So he gives me $10, and then I say, David, give me $12, and I promise you a $15 return. So I get your $15, I pay him back his $12, I made a buck, and I, then I find another investor, and I say, Liz, give me $20, and I promise you a $25 return. And it keeps going up like that, Right? until he had $64 billion worth of leftover money, and then he disappeared. He just disappeared off the face of the planet. So, it's either poor people, or it's rich people, but we exclude ourselves. We think, well, we're not really in the category of uh, thieves. We're unlikely to sell a TV on the black market. In fact, there's no chance of us doing that. But I think you and I would think, well, we're a Christian, and, and, and this is clearly... Uh, not in God's will. So we try and create these stereotypes to push ourselves out of the image of who steals. As I was preparing this message, I started to think about, well, how have I experienced theft in my life? It's difficult to think of things. There's a couple of things that I thought of. The first was uh, when I was a child. I was in a shop. I don't know where. I was a child. I don't remember these things. But I do remember the feeling that I had when I saw a certain badge on, on the shelf, and I said, Mum, can I have this badge? And she says, no. I said, okay. <laughs> Looks really good, doesn't it? And so I just sort of took it off the shelf and just popped it in my pocket and then walked out of the store. My gosh, you've got a sinner preaching. No joke. <laughs> As we got out the door, we, we, we got a little ways down the road and I, I was playing with my badge that I was really happy about 
if my mum turns down. I don't know what I was expecting to happen. <laughs> Where'd you get that badge? Hmm? <laughs> Where did you get the badge? Okay, fine. So you've stolen it. And I was terrified that she was going to be so angry. She wasn't that angry. She just said, that's fine. We're going to go take it back. And you're going to apologize to the shop owner for taking it. And then you're going to give it back to her. That is the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. I screamed. I howled for ages. Just She was pulling me towards the shop. I was saying, no, I won't do it. You take it. You take it. It's just heart-wrenching to do that. I didn't have a problem taking it. I had a problem returning it. The other thing that I thought of was when I was in high school, and I used to ride my bike to uh, s- school if I couldn't commandeer a lift from our pastors. And <coughs> sometimes I still ride my bike to school and then just put the bike in the back of the car. And I got to the bike shed um, after school one day, and there was just a cut chain left over. My bike had been stolen. And, uh, and look, I, I think that was before I was a Christian. I don't really remember feeling that bad. I just called someone up and said, bike's been stolen, come and pick me up. No big deal. But I think I can think about those things. Those things come to mind. And I think that, was, that didn't have a great impact on my life. So, so why is stealing such a big thing? Because it's hardly happened to me. And I certainly have only done it since I was a young boy uh, who stole a badge and I learned my lesson and I don't do that anymore. Until I started to do some more research and I started to discover that theft impacts every one of us and theft impacts the world in a very big and profound way. Have you ever looked closely at street signs? On the back is something that says, this is made of fiberglass. The reason it says, this is made of fiberglass, is because they used to be made of metal. And they found that so many street signs were being stolen off the posts to be used and sold as scrap metal, that they thought, well, we should replace it with fiberglass. And then the people couldn't tell the difference between (laughs) the fiberglass and the metal. And so it's still those. So they said, well, we have to start telling them (laughs) that... Basically, no cash kept on premises. These are made of fiberglass, which is valueless. You cannot cash this in for <laughs> cash. If, you, if you've ever paid for an alarm system in your house or in your car, then you're paying the price of theft in our society. If you ever bought a security fence or any security equipment, then you're paying the price of theft in our society. We pay taxes, and part of that tax goes to policing. Why do we need policing? Well, one of the reasons is because theft happens in our society. Have you ever heard the phrase, just claim the maximum amount before you have to show any receipts? When you're filling in your tax return, you're allowed to, fill up, you're allowed to claim up to $300 before you have to show any evidence of that. So many people... Just put, well, $300. In fact, I've worked with accountants before who said, oh, that's just our standard practice. We claim the maximum amount before you have to give us any receipts. Because if we're audited, we can't be told off for that. Tax evasion is impossible to estimate how much is actually being stolen. 
but the numbers are staggering. And every time tax is evaded, that's less money going to the greater good of roads, of hospitals, of schools, etc. And so we are being stolen from, and if we participate in tax evasion, then we are stealing from other people, those people around us. If you... <coughs> I agree. <laughs> if, you're, if you... If you uh, what do you call it when you put in an insurance claim? If you claim on your insurance... <laughs> good. If you claim on your insurance and you are fraudulent with your insurance claim, if you say, well, it was worth 4000 but really you know it was worth 3000 the insurance company is paying an extra $1,000. They need to cover that by charging everybody else a higher premium. And so by you breaking the ninth commandment and lying, you're also breaking the eighth commandment and stealing from every other person who has uh, that insurance. If you take something from a shop, shoplifting, Jordan would know better than I would, but there are... Because he worked... No, not because he's a shoplifter. <laughs> because he worked in a supermarket for a long time. There is a margin that the supermarkets put into their overheads just to cover their losses from shoplifting. So every time something is taken from the shop, the supermarket has to up their prices to cover their costs. And so again, you're not just stealing from the supermarket because it's, it's easier to get away with in your mind stealing from a massive multinational uh, corporation. You think, oh, they're not going to notice. But as you do that, you're stealing from the other consumers who are willing to pay for those goods because they're paying a higher price. If you're an employee and you, you are uh, entitled to overtime and your employer doesn't pay that overtime, essentially you're being stolen from. If you are an employer and you do the same, you don't pay your employees overtime when they're due it, then you are essentially stealing from them. I remember working in a fish shop and... Uh, we used to work from 6 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night and you'd have two half an hour breaks. I don't know if you know, that's illegal. You're not allowed to ask your workers to work for that long. And so if you raise that with the bosses, they would say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know that. And then you wouldn't get any shifts. They haven't fired you, it's just, oh, we've already got other people to work those days. So you just don't say anything. You're being st stolen from and mistreated. If you're an employee and you are paid for a full-time week, you're on a full-time wage, and you come a little bit late and you come a leave a little bit early and you take an extra long lunch break, you're doing less than what you're being paid for. You're essentially stealing the part of the, your pay packet which you're not working for. Do you find it interesting, as I do, that the majority of sick days are taken on Monday and Friday. The majority. Is that a coincidence? <laughs> I don't think so. 
my <coughs> my mum used to work for my dad's engineering company, just cleaning the shed because it was on the property, and so she used to clean it about once a week. And sometimes I would go along there. I was a young boy, and I would sort of work with her. And and one day I asked her. I said, "Mum, do you get paid for this, right?" She says, "Yeah, yeah." I said, "How much do you get paid?" She says, "I can't remember what the figure was, but such and such per hour." And I thought, "Ah." Oh. So if it takes you longer, you get paid more. So yeah, yeah, that's right. They pay me for how long, however long it takes. I said, why are you working so quickly? <laughs> why don't you just work slower? If you take two hours, you'll get twice what you get if you do it in one hour. And she said, no, 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 Brendan. Time is money. I said, I know, I understand. That's why you should take longer. You're just going back to work that you're not getting paid for, like raising kids and cooking and doing the housework. What are you doing? It seems so obvious to me. Just drag it out for ages. I didn't realize that there was a moral issue with that. I mean, we should be hard workers. I, I believe that... that Every employer who hires a Christian should speak well of those Christians and say, my goodness, you know, they just work so hard. And sometimes when they could get away with something, like leaving early or arriving late, or when they could do something with the figures just to get a little bit of, or if they could, you know, <coughs> printing's allowed at work, right? You... What are the chances of you walking out with three reams of paper in your handbag? Unlikely. But if you did it over the span of a year and you printed three pages every day, have you asked the boss's permission for that? Ashley and I were talking about it and she said she felt convicted by, the f by using the uh, telephone at work because you've got your own personal mobile but you're using their service for personal calls. Thanks, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't check with you about that one first. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Artists, creative people, when they create something for you to enjoy, I don't think many people like working free if they're working really hard to create something that's great. But if you <coughs> download a movie illegally, or if you download music illegally, then Essentially, you're stealing the wages of the artist who created it. This is going to get heavy in a second. Prepare yourself. <laughs> when we consume pornography or prostitution, we are robbing people of their sexual innocence. <laughs> she doesn't get it. You can explain it to her later. <laughs> I'll leave that discussion to you guys. <laughs> when you're older, Jemima. Sex before marriage, you know, God has this incredible plan for sex within a marriage. And it is glorious. And he, he wants... <laughs> and he wants us to be able to experience the fullness of intimacy with the partner that we're going to be with for the rest of our life. I, hey, I think we should talk about sex in church. Because sex is good, and, and God created it, and he likes it. But within a marriage. 
I mean, if we don't talk about it, it's not like our young people aren't going to hear about it elsewhere. I mean, what are your chances of going through this life without hearing about it? My goodness. Next to none, unless you lock yourself in a room and just, even then you might have probably got something. In fact, sometimes they're the most dangerous times when you're locked in your room all on your own. So God creates this incredible thing for us within a marriage. And, and that's like a gift that God gives us. If you have sex with somebody before you or they are married, you're stealing that gift from their future husband or wife. So, so you have, even if they're consenting, sometimes it's not and that's worse. Don't, don't ever rape a person. Okay, that's the message this morning. That's not the message this morning. But don't, though. Still don't. Okay. So if you, even if you're both consenting, you're essentially stealing their virginity if you're having sex before marriage. And lastly, human trafficking. Slave labor. I mean, what could be more horrendous than stealing somebody's life? The value of somebody's life. You know, thieving and stealing undermines our whole society. It creates an atmosphere of fear and unhappiness and suspicion. When we were at Presence, I was in Starbucks, and they talked about something called pay it backward, which is that if someone pays for you, you just decide to pay for the person behind you in the line. Pastor Chris came up to me just as I was about to get to the counter, and he gives us $10 and says, someone paid for us. And so I thought, well, great. So I turned around to the person behind us and said, someone's just paid for our coffees. Can we pay for you? And they said, why? (laughs) Just because. They paid for us, we'll pay for you. They said, what does that mean? I said, it means we'll pay for your coffees. Does that mean that we have to buy for the people behind us? I don't know. You can if you want to. Make up your mind. Let me be a blessing to you. Oh, no. No, we're all right. I know you're all right. Let me pay for your coffees. Nah, we're all right, mate. We're all right. What do you want? Ah, we're all right, mate. Extreme suspicion. So I turned to the service person and I said, I want everything. And so then they came up, we'd ordered ours, and he just left the till open. And then he just listened to what they were ordering to the other guy. And as they got to pay, this guy's like, put it through the credit card machine, the guy in front of me. And they said, Oh, and how much is that? And he says, No, no, this guy's paid. I said, ding, and pay passed it. Thank the Lord for pay pass. <laughs> nice and quick. Ding. I said, sorry, mate, I beat you to it. <laughs> he was so moved. I said, oh, thanks. Moved, but awkward. He didn't understand. Because we're filled with suspicion. The whole society is filled with suspicion. Why are you doing that for me? Most people, most companies, most people, if they're trying to sell me something, they will try and make me pay the maximum amount and give me the least possible amount. Why would you buy me a coffee? I do not understand. Anyway, so he, they left. Nothing more of it. And then the 
the guy behind the till comes up to me when he finished his shift and he says, I thought you knew, he was like Hispanic or something. I thought you knew those guys. Oh? He says, What? They left. You didn't go with them. I thought you knew them. I thought that's why you're buying them coffees. No? You're so nice. Oh my gosh. Where did you get that idea from? Well, we're at a conference at the moment. Oh, C3, right? Yeah, C3 conference at the entertainment center. Wow, you're so nice. And you just left. So, so I mean, <laughs> it literally didn't cost us anything <laughs> because our coffees were paid for. We are just paying for somebody else. All it took was a little bit of courage and tenacity to step out and say, I want to pay for you and then pursue that until the, the deed is actually done. <laughs> actually, it costs more than just what the coffee's cost. And so what I want to open our eyes to this morning is that theft is all around us. It's likely, com- it's likely committed uh, or, or, or accomplished by people like you and me. It's not a stereotype of someone who's rich or poor or carrying a sack of stuff over their shoulder. People like you and me. And we need to acknowledge that so that we can be aware that we have the potential to sin also. And so, quickly, to, to close this, what I want to do this morning is we've introduced the idea of what thieving does to the world, but I want to ask you this morning, what has been stolen from you? What has been stolen from you? Has there been something specific that's been stolen, like a possession? Or has there been some kind of road to your future that's been stolen? I've got three quick points, and they are good points. So you're going to write them, want to write them down. Number one is this. People steal from us. Matthew 5, verse 38 to 42, it says, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. This is Jesus talking. He just blows my mind every time he talks. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, if it is stolen from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. I feel like the crux of what Jesus is getting at here is that we should fight for people and not for possessions. We shouldn't go through life trying to hoard all of our things towards us, make sure that nobody steals anything of what is ours. Because the truth is, it's not yours anyway. You've just borrowed it from God. And so he's saying win people, not arguments. How to Win Friends and Influence People is a book that was written in the 1930s, I think. It's become very popular. And it says you cannot win an argument. If you lose, you lose. If you win, you lose. Because to win an argument, you have to grind the other person into the, into the ground until they realize that they are just wrong. And that you're a better person than they are and they're miserable. 
So you might have won the argument, but you lost in life. And so Jesus is getting at this idea that we should win people, not arguments, fight for people, not possessions, win souls, not things. You know, I've got a dear friend of mine who went through a court case, court case, a court case, a court case, and and, uh, it was a horrendous time in his life for many years to get back what was stolen from them. And, and this scripture says, if you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. I don't think he's talking about only shirts and coats. I don't think if he says, if your pants have been taken from you, then that's a different matter. <clears throat> he's saying, hey, don't spend your life trying to hoard things. And that is such, a diff- such difficult advice to give somebody if something horrendous has been stolen from them. But in hindsight, I wish that I had given that advice it would have been very difficult to take the advice and I don't know if, it, if, it, you know if they would have been able to do it. But after the many years of the court case, it doesn't really matter what the outcome of the court case is. The money you spend on the court case, the effort, the emotions that you spend, the drain on your spirit that you spend trying to fight for things when people are far more important than things. And so there was a, a family that was broken over about six years because of this court case. And you can never get that back. You can rebuild it, but you can't get that time back. That's what Jesus is talking about. If you're sued in court, your shirt is taken from you, just give them your coat too. Be a giver, don't be a taker. Give a releaser. Be a releaser, not a hoarder. And so we need to forgive those people who have taken things from us. I want to do a J. John style thing here this morning. If you have had anything taken from you, would you stand, please? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes your word rocks us to the core and sometimes it really confuses us as to how we're meant to do that. But Father, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit right now and it would fill us and it would release peace within us. Whatever has been stolen from us, Lord, we release it now in the name of Jesus. And we pray that you would fill us with your peace. Father, whoever stole it from us, we forgive that person because we want to forgive as you forgive us so that you will forgive us. And so right now, we forgive them, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Jordan, I'll just get you up and you can, you can uh, fly me home. Adversity steals from us. That's number two. We need to be aware of the devil's attacks. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You can have your joy stolen from you. You can have your hope stolen from you. You can have your faith stolen from you so that it drives you into depression or hopelessness or doubt. The great thing about this is Jesus is actually the name above all other names. And so whatever attack comes against you, if you can identify that, then it has no power over you. Whatever attack comes inside you, is a power that is greater than that that is in the world. 
And so, you know, Stephen Furtick talks about the Apostle Paul when he gets shipwrecked on an island. And this guy just has everything go wrong for him. And every time he says, this is great. This is great. That's great faith. When something goes bad and you say great, because God must have a plan in this and he's opened up this new opportunity. Anyway, they're shipwrecked on the island and they light a fire. They're like, let's get going and start praising God. They light a fire and out of the fire comes a snake. The snake bites them on the hand. And you would think then, you know, that's probably the last draw. That's a, that's a bad thing. So he's going to, so he goes, oh, I've been bitten by a snake. I'm going to die. I'll just go and shrivel up in the corner over here. No, he doesn't. He shakes the, sh- he shakes the snake off his hand. And Stephen Fettig talks about shake the snake. When the comes, just shake the snake. The snake came out of the fire because something was on fire on the inside of your heart. There was a passion that was lit up. If you're not doing anything for God, the devil's not going to bother with you. So if a snake comes at you, you can be encouraged that you're doing something good. But don't become consumed by the attack. Don't think, oh my God, just a snake. What kind is it? What venom is it? He shakes the snake and he shakes it back into the fire from where it came. And so he doesn't become consumed by the attack. He shakes the attack back into the fire, which brought the snake out in the first place. So if you're on fire for God, you're moving forward and the devil comes and attacks you. You can just shake the devil right back into the fire that set you on your path in the first place and say, God, I am not intimidated by the attacks of the devil. For he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world and I will carry on as I am, as I was. I do not fear. Fear not, says the Lord, for I am with you. And so we should rejoice in adversity. You know, James says, count it uh, an opportunity for great joy every time troubles come your way. If you are under attack or you know somebody who's under attack, would you please stand? We can pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, we know that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is incredible power in the name of Jesus. For He is the name above all names and the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords and He lives on the inside of us. And so we command that power on the inside of us right now to brush aside any attack that is coming towards us. Any hopelessness, any doubt, any depression, we cast it aside now in the name of Jesus. And we carry on with the path that we were originally on. And we thank you, Father, that your fire would burn ever hotter in our hearts, that it would fill us with passion, Father. We thank you that we do not need to fear the devil's attacks, for you are greater and you are in us us and that makes us great to overcome any adversity and we thank you Lord right now any chain, any bondage we break it in the name of Jesus any attack we dismiss we thank you Lord that your power is here today, it is moving and those chains are broken for there is power in the name of Jesus, Amen Well, actually why don't you just stay standing for the last point. Point number three is the most important. Point number one was people steal from us. Point number two is adversity steals from us.
point number three is, but God. People might steal from us. Adversity might steal from us. But God. But God. But God has a different plan. God is bigger than the devil's attack. He is the name above all names. If something has been stolen from you, a person has stolen something from you, here's what I want to say to you this morning. Someone's stolen your shirt and, and, and they've sued you for the shirt. And you say, oh, well, the Bible says I have to give them my coat as well. And so now you're out of a shirt and a coat. Do we not believe that our God is bigger than whoever stole it from us? That God is more able to provide for us than whatever was stolen from us? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. What are the words? God, you are higher than any other. We have gifts given to us from God. And it's our job to use those for His kingdom, for His purpose. Because that's our job, I wonder if maybe some would say that if you don't use your gifts for the kingdom, then you're stealing them from God. And so I want to say this to you people this morning. Let's arise as a church. Arise in faith. Arise in hope. Whatever attack comes against us, whatever has been stolen from us, it is irrelevant when you look at the bigness and greatness of our God. And so the Bible says, Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So we're going to give what we have into the kingdom this morning. But what I want to do, but just before we close, is to just ask you to just close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. Those who want us, those who want to be a part of what God is doing in this great church, I would ask that you begin to seek Him and ask Him, what are you calling me to, God? What can I contribute? Maybe God's calling you to reach out to your friends at work. Maybe God's calling you to reach out to your family. To share the life that you have in Jesus. Maybe God's calling you to raise up somebody in the church. To encourage them, to bless them, to lift them up, to teach them. Maybe God's calling you to serve in the house. To build His church with Him. Maybe He's calling you to give, to be a generous person. Maybe He's calling you to a new level of holiness, of righteousness, of integrity. I just want to give you 30 seconds. Seek the Lord. Ask Him, what are you calling me to, Lord? Father, whatever it is that you've put on our heart that you're calling us towards, 
that you're calling us into. We, we know, Father, that, that when you call us to something, you also empower us to do it. So even though it might feel like or look like it's way out of our reach, we thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here this morning and it's filling us with power to do what you've asked us to do. Simon and Amy, can I pray for you guys? Would you come up here? As I was praying for you during the week, I felt God put something on my heart to share with you. And He said, He loves you and He's calling you out to something great. But just like when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, He didn't bring them straight out of Egypt into the promised land, He brought them out of Egypt into the desert so that they could get to know Him and get to trust Him before he came into the promised land. And so I want to encourage you this morning, whatever it is that he's calling you into, stay strong in your faith. Trust in him. The promised land is coming, but it's better that the promised land come after being through the desert than just coming straight away. Because otherwise, we learn to worship the promise, not the promiser. So, Father, fill them with your Spirit, God. May they see into the future. May they believe you. May they trust in you, God. I thank you, Father, that when you give us a vision, you have faith bubble up on the inside of us. And so we just thank you, Father, for this incredible couple. We pray that you fill them in Jesus' name. sit one more time I love the power in that message so much I just want to follow on and add point four to Brendan's message because one thing about he talk, he spoke about how God leads us to do things and the word Christian actually means Christ follower and so I believe that to, to, to be able to follow Jesus Christ, we actually have to acknowledge him as the leader because all followers follow a leader. And so in the same spirit that Brendan asked for a response, I just want to say right now, just in the next 30 seconds before we close, if you have never acknowledged Jesus Christ to be your leader, so that you can be a Christ follower. Because I believe God calls to everyone, but he actually expects us to answer and say, yeah, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be a Christian. Therefore, I am going to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my leader. And if we're prepared to do that, all he asks us to do is 
to stand on their faith and say, okay, I'm going to declare God as my leader. If that's you this morning, if you've never done that before, or if you've done it before and you believe that you really need to restate the fact that God is your leader, I want you to stand where you are right now. If that's you at all, just make that decision stand. I'm going to stand on my faith. I'm going to be known as a crossed follower from this moment on. us all to do right now is to restate our belief as Jesus is our follower. Whether you're standing or whether you're sitting, I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, you are my leader, my saviour and my Lord. From this moment on, I am your faithful follower. I will not follow the world. I totally disregard the devil. I am now a son or daughter of the Most High God. Amen. Thank you. You may all be seated. You may all have some coffee or some cake and or or both possibly. But if you still need prayer, uh, Vicky and I will be here for the next 15 minutes if you want prayer for absolutely anything. We are more than happy to pray with you. Don't forget, if you want to know where the uh, baptism is uh, this afternoon, if you could speak to Bill or Susan. Where's Bill and Susan? Wave your hands there. They will tell you where to go, uh, no, where they live. Um, And so I encourage everyone to come along. And perhaps uh, after the service, uh, after Vicky and I have finished praying, if the people being baptised could quickly come up and and see us or we will seek you out. Have a great week.